Let's dive in. If you got your notes and you're ready, say, oh yeah. All right, I am excited to dive into This Is Us, part two. We're talking over these few weeks about who we are and why we exist as a church. And I think this is so important because we know who we are, we'll know what we're supposed to do. And it's oftentimes I think we lose our way because we lose our why. And it's so important to know who our identity is, why we exist as a church, why we're doing life together. And this is us. And so today I want to spend a few minutes talking about this idea, the right environment. The right environment. Environments are so huge, everybody. I was thinking about all the different environments that that cause us to feel different way. Environments make us feel safe, welcome, invited. Other environments, they cause pain. Some, Some of you have been through difficult seasons of your life and maybe... You drive past a home that you used to live in and even driving past that home brings up all the pain or emotion of a difficult relationship. Maybe there's a place where you remember you were in a a car accident or something went wrong on the road and just driving down that street evokes all the pain and memories. I remember as a kid, we went to to a restaurant, a chicken restaurant that we loved and my, my dad that night got the worst food poisoning from his baked chicken. And uh, I don't know if you ever had food poisoning, but my dad, he was never able to go back into that restaurant again. It was like all the smells and feeling and everything about that restaurant just began to pull back all those memories he had of being so sick. Environments are so critical. I think about even our relationship and, and Jen and I and over the years how it's changed. And we first got married, had an apartment and grew into a condo and uh, a couple of different homes. And as our family's grown, our our environments have changed. I think about the way my wife loves to turn our house into a home. Ladies, you can relate. I mean, you, you're, you're all about the pictures and, and the smells and the feeling and the furniture in the right places and all the things that make house feel like home. My wife calls this nesting, nesting. I, I don't know what you call it. Listen, when I think about nesting, my idea of nesting is making sure that the HDMI cables are plugged into the TV properly and that the fridge is filled. That's how I create environment in the house. I had a good time. We got a new Roku device. We had one broken. I mean, I had the best time with the boys the other night, you know, hooking up the Roku. They were just loving it. I was like, this is what guys do. We hook entertainment devices up. Environment. Environment is so huge to, to even church. We, we work so hard to create an environment that feels inviting and warm, accepting. And if you're new today, I pray that you feel that. Because we want to do everything we can to make sure that when we walk into this place, just like we did in worship, that there's nothing that separates us from encountering the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. And environment is critical. Jesus actually said and taught us how important and how powerful environments are. And I want to dive in together. Mark chapter four. Let's take the next few minutes to talk about the right environment. He says this. He's sharing a parable, a simple truth to help us understand a theological concept. And Jesus says this. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. Look what, look what it says next. Maybe underline this or, or notice this. He says, all by itself, the soil 
produces grain. He says the farmer comes out and scatters all the seed, but then he goes to sleep and he doesn't know how it happens. But all by itself, the soil produces the grain. Look what it says next. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Two truths before we dive into the fill in the blanks and notes this morning that, that I take away. They're so powerful to me as I read and studied the scripture this week. Number one is this. He said, Jesus says this, the kingdom of God is like a seed. It's like a seed. Just, and I know we've heard this story before and maybe you've read and you, you understand this. But let's just think about what the disciples would have thought as they heard. This is the first time they had ever heard the kingdom of God being preached. As a matter of fact, you go back one chapter to Mark 3, and Jesus has just handpicked the 12. And he says, the kingdom of God is like a seed. I imagine that the disciples were thinking, yes, the kingdom of God, large territory, prominence, power, royalty, a mighty king, a mighty army. We're taking over. It's going to be powerful. We're going to be significant. And Jesus, he kind of turns everything on its head and he says this, the kingdom of God is like a seed. It's almost like Jesus is saying to us, what feels insignificant to you is great when you place it in my hand. What feels insignificant in your life when you give it over to me, becomes great. I just want to talk to somebody today who's walked in the room and you feel like your life is insignificant. Maybe you feel like you're in a dead-end job. Maybe you feel broken. Maybe you feel like nobody knows or nobody cares about what you're going through. You feel insignificant. Let me tell you this. Little is much when God is in it. Can I say it again? Little is much when God is in it. I think about David. As he walked out on that battlefield to face, to face the mighty giant. I mean, he was not only being ridiculed and mocked by the, by the other army. I think there were some people on his own army that were thinking, man, we're done. We're toast. I mean, he couldn't even fit into the armor. But he walks out on that battlefield with a sling and a few stones. And I can imagine as he's there. Feeling like, you know what? I'm insignificant in this moment. I don't deserve to be here. There's nothing about me in my humanness and in my flesh that can figure this out. But God, if your spirit is in me and your power is in me, I, I can do great things through you who gives me strength. God, I, God, I feel weak in this moment. I, I don't feel like I really matter. But God, you can use a sling and a stone to take down a giant. I love what David says. He says this, you come at, we, at me with sword and with spear, but I can come at you in the name of the Lord because I know where my significance and I know where my power is and it's not in me but it is Christ in me the hope of glory can somebody say amen amen I, I might just be a seed I might just be a seed but in the right soil there's power and there's strength the kingdom of God is like a seed I love the second point is this is is that growth begins in the soil Growth begins in the soil. He says the farmer, he goes to sleep without knowing what's happening. And the soil begins to, the soil produces the wheat. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me say this to you is that 
The soil is the invisible place in your life. The soil is the place that nobody knows. The hurt that you feel, the disease that you carry, the sickness that you're going through that feels like nobody understands my situation. Can I tell you this? God oftentimes does his greatest work in the darkest places. When Jesus came off the cross, Joseph prepared his body for burial. And while they thought they were burying Jesus, Jesus knew this. He was actually being planted because his greatest work was being done in the dark place. He, he, was, he was being put to death, but he was actually preparing us for our destiny. Like what God was doing at the cross was pain for him, but it was purpose for us. And oftentimes in the darkest places, God wants to do his greatest work. I want to say to somebody this morning, if you're in a dark place, don't despise the dark place because God sees you, he loves you, he knows you, and he is with you in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? Amen? Amen. No, know this today. Some, so, so often we're in the dark place. We pray for our situation to change, don't we? And when it doesn't change, we feel like God has left us. But let me say this. If the situation isn't changing, maybe God is using the situation to change us. If the situation isn't changing right now, maybe God has that situation there because he's actually trying to change us. The soil in the story, it represents environment. Environment is huge. Environment makes us feel a certain way. It's the environment, it's described like this, the circumstances or conditions by which one is surrounded. It's, it's, it's the conditions or the circumstances by which one is surrounded. Every single one of us, we all have an environment in our home. Some of us, our environments are, are peaceful and loving. Truth is, some of us, our environments are painful. And we cast our pain on the people we love the most. And for some of us, we walked in this morning, man, the environment in your car was like hell just getting to church today. You know what I'm saying? That's why Jen and I drive separate to church on Sunday morning church. We want to be in love when we get here. But, but environments are so huge. Environments shape who we are. And Jesus says, the seed grows in the soil. The farmer does a lot of the work, but the growth actually happens on its own. It happens in the environment. Psalm 92 says this, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. In other words, he's saying is this, where you choose to plant yourself will ultimately determine your destiny. Find yourself in the right soil, find yourself in the right relationships, put the right friends around you, and you'll see your life begin to blossom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What is Jesus saying in Matthew 6, 33? Where you place yourself will ultimately determine the course of your life. Find ourselves in the right soil. Soil and environment is a lot like culture. Like you... You, you can't build culture. You just have to be culture. I can't tell my family, family, we're going to have fun. No, I've got to decide that I'm going to have fun. And ultimately, if I, if I have fun, then my family will start to have fun. Last Sunday, Jen was, you know, we worked so hard to try to create a fun environment. I tell jokes and, you know, laugh about myself and try to do things that 
a little bit disarming to create an environment where our hearts open up to the truth of God's word. And I try to do that in a fun way. Last Sunday, Jen, we're sitting watching football and she's, she's encouraging me. She's my biggest encourager. She's telling me what a great job I did with the message and what a great Sunday we had. And she got to the end of it and there was kind of a but at the end of the encouragement. <laughs> Y'all are laughing like you understand. You know, it, it really stops being encouragement when you use the word but at the end. You know, but she said this, Wes, it was such a great message, but you were so serious today. You didn't smile a whole lot. She said, I love what you were saying, but it just looked like you were kind of mad about it. So I'm going to smile all day today. You know, I just, we're going to have fun. Like, babe, I can't help it. Sometimes I'm just thinking about what I got to say next. And it's hard to talk for 30 minutes in a row on a stage and you feel funny. And you know what? I just kind of get in my head and I look serious. I'm, ha I'm having fun, everybody. It's a great time. It's a great time. I'm fun. It's fun. But you got you to gotta be the culture. I can't expect my kids to pray if they don't hear me praying. I can't expect my kids to want to read God's word if they don't see me spending time with God. More is caught than taught. I've got to be who I want. Let me tell you this, church, if we want to reach a city that's lost and hopeless and dark, we got to be something that they actually want. We got to be full of love and full of joy and full of peace. And the grace and mercy of Jesus has got to flow. Let's be that church. This is who we are. Can somebody say amen? Amen. It's environment. It's environment. So goes your environment, so goes your life. And I love that we have so many of these babies. They're just beautiful, man. <laughs> Let me give you four things that help us build the right environment. Number one, it's a love for God. A love for God. It's simple this morning, but so powerful. You know what I love when you read this story in Acts chapter 4? Man, Peter and John are going crazy just sharing the gospel. Jesus has left, and they're on mission. And Peter, man, he is... He's like a pistol, man, preaching God's word everywhere he goes and saving. They're seeing people saved, lives changed. They're building churches. And it says this about Peter and John in Acts chapter 4. Look what it says. It says, when they saw the courage in Peter and John, they realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. That word ordinary in the Greek, it, it actually means idiot. They just tried to find a nicer word to talk about Peter and John. They were just regular old guys. But it says this. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. The question is, have we developed such a hunger and a longing for God that when people see us, they can see it flowing out of our life? That we've developed not just a love for God, but if you're taking notes, a closeness, a closeness with God. A closeness with God. Here's, here's the danger. If we're not careful, we'll just read our Bible just to make sure. We'll just read our Bible app just to make sure that we punched all the boxes on the daily. But, you know, because there's OCD people like me that want to make sure they all get checked. And we miss that we read God's word to actually get close to God. And we spend time in prayer to get close to God. And we, we start our car and we drive down the street in the morning. We turn on worship music because we long and we hunger for God. And it's that kind of closeness that grows and strengthens our relationship. I think the danger for me, if I'm being honest, is I'm such a, a creature of routine 
that, that I go through the motions oftentimes in my relationship with God and miss the whole reason why I was cre- created for intimacy and closeness. I do this in my personal relationship with Jen too. If I'm not careful in our relationship, I start to choose the things that I really like. You know, we'll plan date nights. My idea of a date night, everybody, is to find a restaurant we already know that we like. And I already know how much it's going to cost. Nah, Jen, everybody. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Date nights should be an adventure to her. Let's experiment. Let's try new places. Let's spend way more money than we have budgeted. Come on, can I get an amen from the guys in the room? You're not amening. You're smarter. Smarter than that. There's wisdom in the room. And if I'm not careful, I'll just do the routine thing. I'll do what's easy and comfortable for me. If I'm not careful, I won't get her door and I'll just be selfish and just let myself in the, in the car. And if I'm not careful, we'll go to the routine and I'll just turn the, the car radio on and we'll just jam to some Joy FM. But if I want to get close to her, there's some things I know that I can do that just kind of spice things up. You know, light a candle every once in a while, like dress like I care. I just said that, didn't I? I'll have a song ready on Spotify, and as soon as we get in the car and turn it on, I'll, I'll hit the button and. Three, cause it's plain Disney, you're the only one. Oh my God. You're the only one for me. Oh, my word. Oh, my knees are getting weak now. Because I know, man, Brian McKnight just works. He just, that dude is sultry, man. I mean, it's soulful. Michael Bublé or whatever it is. And when I go the extra mile, she starts to realize, oh, he, he just doesn't want date night that was on the calendar. He wants date night. He wants closeness with me. He wants intimacy. He's thinking about me. Can I tell you this? It's the same way with God. God, God wants us to wake up and know, man, my son's thinking about me. <laughs> He's He's, he's wondering if I'm there and how I'm going to lead and guide and direct him. He's playing a song because he's got me on his mind. He, he's listening to worship. He could be listening to talk radio, but he's listening to worship because he's thinking about me. She's thinking about me. And she wants to spend her day with me. And all of a sudden, my closeness to God begins to come out in everything I do. And I begin to share how good God is in my life. And people look around and they say, whoa, he's been with God. She's been with God. His life has changed because of God. We need to develop a love for God. Can somebody say amen? Amen, amen. Number two, a love for people. A love for people. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. He says, we loved you dearly, so dearly that we gave you not only God's message, 
but our own lives too. He says, we, we didn't just pray for you, we came to you. We cared for you. When I was in prison, I was thinking about you. We, we poured our lives into who you are. We didn't see you as, as an opportunity, as a stepping stone. We saw you somebody that we could love and show the kindness and grace of Jesus Christ. Church, this is us. Let's have a love for humanity. Let's have a love for New Tampa. Let's have a love for Wesley Chapel. Even the ones that cut us off in traffic. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's love people the way that Jesus loves them. How do we do it? We see people as they could be. We see people as they could be. So often in our flesh, we see people as broken, as hurting, as wounded, as just left for no good. But man, the way God sees them, he, he doesn't see them in their brokenness. He sees their beauty. He sees the way he created them with purpose and destiny in their life. What if we created a culture and continue to do this, be the culture that speaks destiny over people's lives and say, I see greatness in you. I'm going to help pull you up out of the hurt that you're in because God has hope and he has a plan for your life. Let's be that church. Can somebody say amen? Let, let's see people as they could be. But number two, let's say what we see. Let's say what we see. Share a quick illustration before point three. Heard the story about Henry Ford. It was almost 1900. He was, he was in a season where he was working so hard to create the automobile and he was getting all kinds of discouragement on his left and right. People were just naysayers telling him how he couldn't do it, how it would never be successful, but he had a meeting that changed everything. He had a meeting one day with Thomas Edison. And Thomas Edison came in and he said, Henry, you have an amazing idea. He said, you, you, you want to put a power plant inside a car and fuel it with gasoline. I think it's brilliant. The story goes, Henry Ford writes, he said, Thomas Edison banged his fist down on the desk and he said, young man, you have it. I think you're onto something. I can see it in you. The reason we see Fords driving all around our city and all our country is because a man named Thomas Edison spoke life into a hurting man named Henry Ford. Can I tell you, there's people in the room today that are hurting and they're broken and they need somebody that's sitting in front of you, behind you, or beside you. You could be the one that speaks life into their heart, speaks hope, reminds them that there's destiny and purpose. Let's be people that love people. Number three, let's have a spirit of unity, a spirit of unity. Here's what I know, church, is the enemy is working overtime to destroy our relationships. I know this in my own life. I can see the enemy time and time again. And the, and the relationship he's working on the most, he's trying to destroy my marriage. That's why I'm working so hard to help Jen be more like Jesus. I, I mean, just, and it, pray, pray with me. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. If the enemy gets my marriage, he gets my kids. If the enemy gets my marriage, he gets my calling. And the lie of the enemy is this, that the fight is between me and her, or me and you, or me and somebody that's done me wrong. Can I tell you this? The fight is not 
me and my wife. The fight is my wife and I against the enemy of our souls. Listen, some of us are fighting the wrong fight. Broken marriage today, you're fighting the wrong fight. Why don't you lock arms with the one that loves you like no other and decide this? We are going to destroy the one who is seeking out to steal and kill our marriage, and we are going to be victorious in Jesus' name. No weapon formed against my marriage and my kids and my home shall prosper. I'm an overcomer. And maybe that's hard for you to say right now. But I know this, where there's disunity, the devil is really close. He's doing everything to steal, kill, and destroy. But let's, let's fight the right fight. Let's fight the right fight. Paul says this, be joined together in perfect unity with one heart, one passion, united in love, walk together with one purpose. My goodness, I just looked down and saw us 12.06. Y'all, please forgive me. Point four. We create an atmosphere of faith, an atmosphere of faith. In just a moment, we're gonna, we're gonna dismiss, but there are people in the room. I, I really felt like early on this week and I asked our prayer team, would you be ready? There are people in the room and, and I know we're going late today, but you've walked in here, you're hurting and you're struggling and you need to take a step towards God today. I'm not even going to share the last scripture. I really believe this. The easy thing to do is move with everybody else toward the back and just kind of go on with your day. But there is somebody that has walked into the room that you have stepped into an environment that is filled with faith, an environment that believes that with God, anything is possible. In just a minute, we're going to pray and we're going to close. And we dismiss, I'm going to invite you, if that's you, you know God is tugging on your heart. I'm going to invite you forward to pray after we dismiss. And we're going to be down here. And we're going to believe that God can heal your marriage. That God can restore your health. That God can fix whatever issues are going on. That in this room right now where two or three are gathered, he is here in our midst and he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. Do you believe it today, church? Do you believe it today, church? I believe it. I believe it.